Thanks, Liz. Yeah, bring on next Sunday the um, uh, Kids Worship Sunday. That's going to be so much fun. Don't kids teach us uh, so much about how to worship Jesus? And um, I was just um, with my son this week, Zach, and uh, I was just singing a song that was on my heart. It, 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 the words are something like, you're worthy of it all. And he made some comment back to me about, I want you to sing the, the early mornings, early in the morning song again, uh, as in to repeat it. And um, it made me think early in the morning is about, that's a line from Postman Pat, isn't it? Do you, do you remember that from when we were growing up? Just love the simplicity and Jesus loves it too. Um, we're in the midst of um, a focus on our building offering, um, not BO, as it says in my notes. That would be an entirely different message, wouldn't it? Not sure how to do the response on that one. Um, but on the 20th and 27th of March, we're going to be uh, taking up an offering um, together. Details are in the booklets that you find um, uh, on your seats. If not, you can uh, grab one um, on the way out. And there's four projects um, that we would love to uh, focus uh, on there. We want to um, install a commercial kitchen over kind of in that uh, side of the building that will serve. Uh, well, so many of our ministries actually it'd be wonderful to be able to do more uh, within our youth and to provide more food there. Uh, Alpha courses, of course, but I suppose primarily uh, within our compassion ministries, um, not just in um, feeding the city as, as it were, but also just like teaching people the basics of cooking, you know, isn't that so key to just lifting people out of poverty and um, uh, lots of opportunities with um, a social enterprise to be formed in terms of uh, what a commercial kitchen could create. Um, but then secondly, um, to do with um, our accessibility. And um, so uh, on the first, we would love to put a lift from the ground floor up to the first floor and a disabled toilet on the first floor um, as well. And um, I was just uh, really struck this week um, hearing of um, someone who's been part of Grace Church for five years um, and yet due to mobility issues has, has never seen the ups, uh, upstairs of our building. I would love to be able for us to be able to serve that person. Uh, again, just someone who um, had recently joined the church. I was walking up the stairs um, with them the other week. Clearly, they were struggling to get up the stairs. I was like, this is just not welcoming at all. It's just we're praying, Jesus, help us to um, improve our accessibility. Um, and then we'd love to improve our visibility as well in terms of doing some work uh, on our uh, welcome entrance uh, very few people know that this is um, a church building. Loads of our delivery drivers end up down the road at Cornerstone. They think, yeah, I'm looking for a church. That's where it is. Um, but I think kind of just all, all the research would say that first impressions are everything. And actually, we just recognize it as we walk into the building. It's not particularly, it doesn't look particularly nice, not a particularly welcome environment. And the reason why that matters is because we want to show people the welcome of God, don't we? Um, even the way our building is, is an expression of a theological truth. So we'd love to kind of open that up um, much more. Um, and then lastly, um, upstairs, there's some dead, largely unused space um, at the moment where, um, uh, praise God, we're having increasing numbers of um, office volunteers um, and the Grace Enterprises, and that's the social enterprise that we run. Their staff team is ever increasing, and um, in a couple of years' time, we will soon run out of space. So we'd love to convert some of that into um, an office space. So that you'll find a bit more of that in the building. But the thing that is really interesting me in the midst of this is the way that Jesus is leading us as we talk about it through bits of the, the gospel of Matthew, uh, an eyewitness account of Jesus' life, if you're new to the Bible. And um, lots of it, you will know that as a church, we are going through Matthew, um, a series sort of um, 
uh, passage by passage. And um, these weeks, kind of as we talked about the offering, they were meant to be the break. You know, let's, let's kind of step out of Matthew. Let's um, preach into this a little bit more. But Jesus kind of held us firmly in there. I promise next week, Tim Bunker will be speaking. He will not be in Matthew. So we'll get a break um, from that. Um, but just to recap last, last few weeks, um, two weeks ago, I, I spoke on um, the wise man who ultimately is Jesus himself, who builds his house, his church on the sure foundation, the rock of himself and his revelation um, to us. Um, and then last week, Ben reminded us uh, Peter, uh, how Peter, whose name means rock, um, in expressing this truth was um, commissioned to be um, a pillar in the life of the church, a rock, a living stone, as he um, later would put it in his letter, um, as he and also we um, live out Jesus's promise that I will build my church. And Ben was reminding us last week, wasn't he, that um, it's not you will build my church. Jesus is promising that he will build it. It's not our church or our vision. It's his church. It's his work. And it's all about building people. We're living stones and we've all got a part to play. So in that really, our, our physical building is just a tool, isn't it? It's, it, 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 it's a tool. And I suppose the, the offering then is about good stewardship of this resource that um, God has given us in this location um, with these rooms. Um, and just continuing that today, I, I want us to continue P Peter's journey, just, just looking at how he saw Jesus and, and the church being um, founded and, and, and built by looking at an episode where Peter, like us, um, was being called to take a step of faith. Because I suppose when, when we think about the offering, um, that's what it is, isn't it? Like how we engage with this offering, it, it's a step of faith for, for each one of us, kind of considering things um, in our hearts. It's, it's a, um, a step of faith to um, give money over and above our regular giving um, into this. It needs faith. It needs processing with friends, spouses. Um, it needs kind of uh, plenty of prayer, uh, maybe review of other giving that we're, um, that we're doing. Um, it needs sacrifice. And so really, because of all that, we, we need to look at what Scripture says, don't we, to help us. And in our passage today, we're looking at um, a time where Peter was called to get out of the comfort of uh, his boat and walk towards Jesus on the water. And this passage actually comes just before the bit that Ben was in last week, Peter's confession um, of, of Jesus as the Christ. And so really kind of, um, I suppose, in some sense led to it. So we're going to jump in. This is Matthew chapter 14. Probably shouldn't say jump in about passage of walking on water, should we? But there you go. Um, we're reading from verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, that's 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. 
Jesus immediately reached out his hands and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Let's just pray together. Lord, we want to see you um, in the midst of your word today. We thank you for this great revelation. We think about when we um, sing that phrase earlier, what he's done, the myriad of different um, facets um, to that, that we could rejoice in, that your word, re word reveals to us. Uh, so come and uh, open the scriptures up to us today, Lord, to change our hearts, to make us more like you, we pray. Amen. Amen. So Jesus is in the midst of doing something miraculous as he brings his kingdom to his people. He is walking on the water, as verse 25 um, tells us. And so also, Jesus is doing plenty of things amongst us, some of which are outright miraculous, as he brings his kingdom amongst us. He's bringing his kingdom here too. We are seeing the rule and the reign of God demonstrated in all um, manner of ways and the, the different things that he's called us to. So I, I think of um, just a few weeks ago, our um, stay and play ministry for parents, carers, and toddlers that um, operates kind of broadly in that end um, of the room um, had 45 children. Imagine 45 kids plus someone to bring them along in a very confined space down there, utter carnage, uh, and they've continued to see... Um, Great numbers of that ever since. Um, it's seen that in this academic year, we've had a couple of waves, um, particularly of, of, of people coming over from India, students, young professionals. And if that's you, we welcome you. It's so good to have you here. And we rejoice that um, God is adding to us in this way. There's been um, people amongst us who are um, part of our community here on a Sundays, engaging the life of the church in your home groups and, and what have you, who themselves are um, on, on the journey of faith, asking questions about um, who Jesus is. And the reason why I'm so excited about that is that knowing what is on the other side, the beauty and the glory and the majesty of Jesus is utterly captivating. We praise God that that's happening. There was a time um, a few weeks ago in, in our evening meeting where um, Rosie got um, uh, people to stand up who were just about to start leading a home group. And there was just this whole bunch of uh, people standing up in the room and so grateful to God and knowing that there's others starting home groups as well that weren't at that meeting, um, we rejoice. Radiant Cleaners, um, one of the social enterprises that we run, has doubled in both team and turnover um, during the pandemic. And we just launched our second social enterprise, Jubilee Events. We were recently given a £10,000 grant by Nottingham City Council. That's a miracle they had any money to give in the first place, um, to, to help with, with our food bank. And, and actually what we um, uh, opened up about in uh, letters to, uh, to you a um, number of uh, months ago, about a, a 37K deficit in our budget um, is now projected to be a small surplus um, for, for this financial year. We, we thank God for that. Um, our youth currently are um, on a weekend away, and this afternoon we'll come back full of the joy of Jesus with lots of stories of how he's been uh, moving in their lives. We're lining up our next uh, alphas and baptisms and um, home groups and leadership development course Truly, Jesus is building his church, yeah? We can rejoice in, in these things. The kingdom is coming amongst us. And yet we see in verse 26 in our passage here that when Jesus did this miraculous act of walking on the water to his disciples, they didn't quite understand it all. It says in the verse, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. They didn't quite 
kind of perceive him, what, what he was doing. And I'm sure it's not just me that has the questions of, why is this thing happening at the moment? Or how can we improve in this area? Or when is my heart going to change on this particular issue? We all have those questions, don't we? And it's okay to talk those things out with, um, with leaders and with uh, trusted friends. And maybe even those are some of your questions to, to do with the offering, um, the, the why and the how and, and the when. And um, at the prayer meeting uh, here on uh, Thursday night, we uh, recorded a, a short Q&A, which we'll um, send out uh, this week. But um, that doesn't answer uh, your questions, I encourage you, just come and talk to us um, about these things. But what the readers of Matthew's gospel would have known, which we will discover when we cover things like Jesus's reaction to uh, John the Baptist in um, chapter 11, a few chapters earlier, is that Jesus really isn't afraid of our doubts, and he really isn't afraid of our questions, and he really isn't uh, put off by our misunderstandings. But what he does, as we see in verse 27 of the passage here, is that he always reassures his people. It says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And that phrase there, it is I, in the Greek, ego, amy, it's the um, the same phrase that was used back in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, um, which originally would have been written in Hebrew, then translated into Greek, same Greek phrase, for when God revealed his name to his people, the name I am, I am that I am, God says. He's so big and powerful and majestic, he doesn't need anything external to define himself. He can just say, I am that I am. It's as one of my um, favorite commentators on Matthew's gospel, Don Carson says, he says, it's the the decisive self-disclosure of God. And so when Jesus is um, saying this to his followers who are freaking out, thinking that he's a ghost, he's not just saying, hey guys, don't worry, it's me. He's saying, don't worry, I am God. And we've not lots of time to go into kind of the, the background of, uh, of this passage, but, but broadly, what, what's going on here is that Jesus, in having these chaotic, stormy waters under his feet, as he, as it were, hovers over the water, he is showing himself to be God, not just in the miracle of the act, but in replicating the activity of God at various points in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, sea uh, represented uh, chaos and evil, and um, uh, God himself is, is called a God of the sea, as in Lord over these things, Lord over evil, Lord over chaos. He's bigger than it all. He's victorious over it all. And so here is Jesus being God of the sea, bringing it under subjection and calming the chaos. And as we face this offering with, I'm sure, a mix of the excitement of the adventure and some questions, doubts, worries, we can know that we have a God who has trampled all things under his feet, who blesses our obedience and who is committed to being with us forever. The story goes on to pick up verse uh, 28. Pizza says, Lord, if it is you, and the commentators are agreed, really that means since it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And it's here where we have to know that steps of faith are always about seeing Jesus. They're always about seeing more of him. 
the brilliant, captivating, glorious, and majestic one who has transformed our lives. It's all about that. It's not just because it's cool to walk on the water. You know, it is, but that's not the main point. You, you can imagine Peter kind of in sort of the months and years following, constantly dropping in. Yeah, you know, that time when I was just walking on the water. You know, Peter, would you just drop it? It's not just... It's not, these things aren't just because they're cool to, I suppose, for us, have a better developed building. And it ultimately is not about what this building looks like. It's a tool. Although it does have to be said, when it rains heavily here, it would be really helpful to walk on water to navigate our basement and our car park. And I'm sure lots of you can uh, relate to some of these things when it's rained around here. But steps of faith are always about knowing Jesus better. And that's where actually the story ends up at the very end, verse 33, where his disciples are led to the conclusion, truly you are the son of God. That's the first time that they say that in Matthew's gospel. I am so looking forward to the things that we are going to be able to do as a church in this next phase of our mission with these developments, with um, the more people that we can reach and the better way that we can um, host and um, look after people and um, was just reflecting a story shared on um, Thursday night at the, um, the prayer meeting again of a lady who was um, cooking for um, a senior's Christmas lunch that we were running um, a number of years back. Exactly the sort of thing that we're um, here to do in the city to uh, welcome people together, show them the love of Jesus, build community, and in that show Jesus. And, uh, but because of the inadequacy of our, of our kitchen, and I've no idea how Chris would get on on Tuesday morning at the prayer meeting, but um, because it's so pokey out there, you can have a little look afterwards if, if you want. Um, this lady who's doing the cooking had based herself in one of our kids' rooms. Uh, there was more space in there. And in there, she had um, set up six microwaves, six vegetable steamers, four electric frying pans, and three fridge freezers in the corridor. Uh, I don't think she had permission to do this, so she just did it anyway. It short-circuited the entire downstairs. It, um, it set the smoke alarm off, and the poor seniors uh, had to go outside in the cold and wait whilst everything was sorted. Happy Christmas, everybody. But I know that the primary thing that happens in taking up an offering like this is that God further tests and changes the hearts of his people in dependency, in faith, in rootedness. I think back in my own life even, uh, it was a previous offering we'd taken up. I remember um, walking uh, to, uh, to the bank and um, full of excitement for what God was doing in this um, particular offering and um, withdrawing what for me at the, t the time felt like a, a large sum of money and um, wanted to try and witness to the cashier and she didn't really get it and um, was kind of walking away with the check and um, if you don't want know what one of those is, ask your parents. Um, but sort of doing the, the admin to, um, to get the money um, to Grace Church. I, I just, I don't think this is retrospectively looking on it, though that certainly would be true as well. I knew something was happening in my heart. Something of realigning my priorities. Something of purifying my materialistic and self-reliant tendencies. I knew that God was building his kingdom and he was changing me. He said, well, why does Jesus want us to engage in this offering? Yeah, it's for the sake of mission and all we can do. But it's also for the sake of maturity. 
And yes, it's for the sake of development of this resource, this building that God has given us, but it's also for the sake of discipleship. And yes, it's to strengthen and to stretch, but it's also about Jesus sanctifying us. It's about the growth of our ministries, but it's about the surgery of our hearts. And because of that, there are times in life, aren't there, where Jesus just calls us to come. That's what he says in verse 29 to Peter, when he asks us to uh, take a step of faith and do something outrageous in his direction. And the Bible doesn't really tell us what it is that um, made Peter get out of the boat, uh, other than perhaps a sort of implied trust in Jesus and um, obedience to him, which really, let's face it, that's our only route forward in this, isn't it? With this offering, like his faithfulness to produce fruit in us. But it does tell us what happened once Peter did take that step of faith. And I think these things um, could help us because come verse 13, we're just going verse by verse here. You can kind of reflect on it again after the message. Peter is, is literally walking on the water. He's got out of the boat and he's doing that. And, you know, that, that's incredible. That's a step of faith in itself. And then it says that he got distracted. He saw the winds. Um, and perhaps, Deji, if we have um, 30 and 31 on the, um, the screen, that'd be great. Um, thank you. So he got distracted. He saw the wind. And that led to him getting scared. It says that Peter was afraid. And then that led to him getting a bit wet. This is beginning to sink, he cried out. And I think it's, it's so interesting in, in, in verse 31, where, Peter, where Jesus says to Peter, oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? The commentators agree that the word for doubt, distadso, the root idea there is, is of trying to look in two different places at the same time, or going in two different directions, or trying to serve two different masters. Peter took his eyes off Jesus, and he started focusing on his surrounding circumstances and how he was doing. And sure enough, he, he got scared and he got wet. You know, in an offering like this, there's always an examination of our own hearts as to who it is that we serve. Jesus said, didn't he? Like, you can serve God or you can serve money, but you, you can't serve both. And as to what we put our focus on. Is our focus self-comfort or is it self-denial, taking up our cross daily? Or as to what or whom it is that we treasure? But I suppose as well as those things, it's also just important to recognize that an offering like this and us considering how we engage in it, like, it is daunting, isn't it? It is a step of faith. It is a bit scary to um, give away either something of what has been uh, security for us or uh, give away something that um, we know will, will cost us, almost like facing it. No, like we, we will get a bit wet. Like we, we will feel the, the effects of it. And I'm sure many of us could testify to very different lifestyles if we weren't part of a church, right? 
You know, for me, looking back, my student loan would have been used to um, travel around the UK to watch football matches rather than a resource of how to sow into the kingdom of God. Um, we would be trying um, a new restaurant every single week. Uh, my technology would be way more uh, updated um, that, than it is. Um, and I would be pleading with my wife, Emma, to get Sky Sports until she finally relented. And then we definitely would get it and life would be wonderful. Yeah. But my testimony would be that I found what the Bible calls the pearl of great price, Jesus himself. And he is worth giving up my whole life for. My time, my treasure, my talent, all of us, over and over again. And when Peter thought about these swirling winds that were around him and faced the fact that his, his feet were getting increasingly wet and something should be done about it, well, frankly, it caused him to turn to Jesus. He cries out in verse 30 where he got desperate. He says, Lord, save me. And then in verse 31, he got saved. Jesus reached out his hands and took hold of him. And then actually, it got corrected. Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Steps of faith, like engaging in this offering, are always about going deeper with Jesus, the one who is always faithful to reach out to his hands to his people, to rescue and restore them, to challenge and change and correct them, to bring them back to the boat. And isn't that ultimately how we get to do the Christian life anyway, right? Like he has already done it. He has stretched out his hand. He has rescued and restored us. And we are now in him walking in his ways. And maybe giving might feel strange because it's um, a new thing to you. Maybe giving into an offering like this might be um, strange because of this processing of a new, less wealthy, as in didn't have some finance you had before, position. But we can know that Jesus has already gone ahead of us. He's already given for us, as it were. He has poured out his life that we might be free. And maybe it might feel a bit risky, but isn't faith and following Jesus an adventure where we are wholly dependent on him to do the very things that, frankly, of ourselves we can't do? We're now free to live as he did, forever knowing his hands stretched out to help us through the storms, through the sinking, through the doubt. And that's why just reflecting on on this passage, I find the challenge to Peter in verse 31 just so provocative. It says, Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I don't think Jesus is being harsh to Peter here and dismantling him. I think there's a a kindness in his voice, even though some difficult things are are being addressed. But one day he will ask us, won't he, what we did with what he gave us. And that's not just financially, but with our gifts and talents, with the opportunities that Jesus um, opened up for us, ultimately with this precious gospel revealed in his words and how we are obedient to it. And in that moment, when we see him as he is, when we know that we will gaze upon him eternally forever, the one that our hearts have been longing for our whole lives, 
I don't know about you, I don't want my faith to be doubted in that moment. I, I want the well done of a good and faithful servant, as Jesus said in Matthew 25. You've been faithful over a little, enter into the joy of your master. I want to get out of the boat. I want to fix my eyes on Jesus and walk towards him because he is the sea trampling, fear defeating, storm calming savior. And he's worthy of everything we have. And as he commissions us to give our lives in steps of faith like this offering so that we can better serve and feed and love and welcome the city that we love. We recognize that these things are ultimately all about seeing him, about becoming like him, about joining with the disciples at the end of this passage in verse 33, who's saying, truly, you are the son of God. And that's why we want to finish this morning. We've still got a good bit of time um, with communion together. Because when we take communion, when we take the bread that symbolizes his body broken for us on the cross, and the cup symbolizes the blood of Christ shed for us, what we are saying amongst other things, truly you are worthy of it all. And actually in communion, it's so much more than just a symbolic act. Jesus meets with us in that moment as we take um, the bread and the, the cup together as we are church together, he meets with us and he joins that heart's cry. Jesus, I'm just here for you. I just want my whole life to be all for you as we celebrate the fact that we can only do that because he poured himself out for us first. So what we're gonna do is gonna invite the band back up. You serve us so well week on week. Thanks so much, guys. And um, uh, we're gonna get, uh, in a moment, we'll come and get um, uh, some bread and some cups. Um, there's three stations here, one, two, three. Um, and um, I encourage you to go and get um, uh, some bread and, and a cup. Um, if you know the Lord Jesus and would say he's number one priority in your life, if you don't, here's your opportunity to take that step and say, Jesus, you're worthy of it all. I'm living for you now. You can come and join us um, in this. And then to go back to your seats, and I'd encourage just to get into small groups, you know, six or so or something like that, and to eat the bread at the same time, to drink the cup together at the same time, and just to thank Jesus for who he is, for what he's done and to proclaim together, Jesus, you really are worthy of it all. So why don't we stand together and let's begin to move um, towards the communion stations and then we'll come back and get into small groups and go from there.